Hello, CAA. My name is Sunny Spillane. I'm an associate professor of art education at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And I am very happy to be hosting a conversation today between Shaila Pacheco Hamilton and Vreni Michelini Castillo, who are both on the faculty at California College of the Arts. Shaila Pacheco Hamilton is an Afro-surrealist filmmaker whose creative research interests meet at the crossroads of experimental video, Black and Chicana feminist theory, and ritual performance. Her most recent work consists of experimental video and installation that explores justice, memory, dreams, and ritual performance of the sacred. She is Chair of Diversity Studies at California College of the Arts and teaches in the first year program. Vreni Michelini Castillo, aka Choti Ma, is a multidisciplinary cultural producer, 11 years of experience working through art, cultural organizing, music, red medicine, and traditional Mexican danza. She teaches at 67 Sueños, California College of the Arts, and San Francisco State University. Welcome, Shaila and Vreni. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So uh, I want to acknowledge that we gather um, as faculty of California College of the Arts in Oakland on the traditional lands of the Ohlone's peoples, past, present, and future. Um, I want to tell you that this includes the Muwekma, the Eslin, and the Amamutsin. And we honor with gratitude the land itself and the peoples who have stewarded it through the generations and who will continue to. And we want to acknowledge the land where we sit, where this college is located, was stolen from indigenous communities by colonial structures who committed genocide upon the peoples and the land. And this calls us to commit to continuing to learn how to be better stewards of the land that we inhabit as well. So Brenny, um, you know, before we actually started this conversation, we were having another conversation about um, indigeneity. And um, would you like to start with maybe reading something from our book, Color mm. Theory? Yeah, since this is the beginning of the conversation, um, I'll read the introduction parts. Um, okay beginning segment of Color Theory, um, a book that Shyla and I uh, published earlier this year, along with um, 12 other artists and thinkers. For our grandmothers, who held us with their own two hands and remind us that love and liberation are present when we speak our truth. Para nuestras abuelitas, que nos apapacharon y nos recuerdan que el amor y nuestra libertad se manifiestan cuando honramos nuestra verdad. ¿Qué hacen las hormigas? Celia Herrera Rodríguez. We are a circle, our centers everywhere, expanding. We hold the circumference. We are the backbone, the ants, carrying, making new paths, aerating, working collectively, keeping the disregarded, preserving and persisting. We strategize together to protect one another and care for the land. Labor learned through the hands of our ancestors. We work within, inside, outside of the art world, recovering, rebuilding, and revitalizing. We are nomadic, growing in the outskirts, outside of the metropolitan area, in basements and gardens, within the inner city, 
in offices and museums, in schools and forests. We queer cultural political boundaries. It is here where we restore freedom. We are not afraid of color because we are the embodiment of color. We come together in this book and in this conversation, reflecting on the past, calling out the present and reimagining the future. Thank you for reading that, that's so beautiful. Is it okay to say that our book is called Color Theory and you can get it from Wolfman Books? Yes, I think, <laughs> I think that's good. So, you know, when we made the book, um, when we made the book, we, um, I think we didn't even know we were making a book. It was just us wanting to listen to each other. Um, and then thinking about how our different experiences connect, right? And what are the, what are the elements and the forces that connect them, right? And then a, a, a collection of works gathered themselves and made themselves into a book essentially. But one of the, the elements of, of the work, of this collective work was to think about um, within foundational art uh, education, right? So the first year, second year uh, in most art programs, um, the students take um, like a drawing class and oftentimes either in drawing or in um, painting in their 2D classes, they look into color theory, right? Oftentimes, um, not looking at the full history, right? Not looking at, at the intersections of these stories. And so we also think of this work, this collective work as a tool, as an educational tool, right? Um, it's not surprising, but it is really disheartening and shameful and appalling that the foundational classes in most universities, most art programs, art colleges, disregard critical race theory, um, intersectional feminism, indigeneities, as something that is an elective, something that is uh, that that is kind of like extra or um, additional, um, optional, optional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And you know, in teaching in 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 foundations, you know, I always have to spend quite a bit of time trying to help students develop the proper language in which to engage each other, especially during critique, because we will have many students that are making work from so many different perspectives that are very personal to them, but they don't necessarily have the language in which to articulate um, these concepts around ethnicity or race or gender or settler colonialism, that sort of thing. Um, and then when we start to get into the actual making, so I, 
I teach um, uh, in foundations. I teach 4D, so um, it, I, I, I teach basically an introductory film production course. And I have to teach them what it means to light a person of color. What it means to um, use words like, or phrases like, okay, it's time to go shoot. The, the violence of the medium has to be I think discussed and addressed, and we have to come up with alternative ways um, and more inclusive ways of, of making and teaching. One of the things that I realized when I started teaching, because you know I went to I went to art school, um, you know I you know got my MFA and all that sort of thing. I realized that I was trained to actually talk about my practice in these really violent colonial ways. Um, things like, like I mentioned before, like, okay, it's time to go shoot the film, right? It's time to, when it's editing, oh, I have to kill my babies or I have to kill, you know, which is, you know, a phrase that refers to that one scene that you were really, really excited about, but it may not actually push the narrative forward. You have to cut that from the edit. And so that, you know, that's, that's, that's a phrase that for me, in becoming um, uh, more educated about um, and reclaiming my ancestry. It was so violent and heartbreaking because that's what the colonial power has and imperialist powers have done and continue to do throughout the world. So, you know, but I also wanna be cautious around using terminology like decolonizing without linking it directly to indigeneity mm -hmm. and, and linking it directly to the sovereignty of indigenous peoples that are still present. Mm -hmm. um, we can do anti-racist work, we can do anti-oppression um, uh, work, mm -hmm. but if, if our goal is not to actually put indigenous peoples, bring them from the margins to the center, then we're not doing decolonizing work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, with what Shai was saying, I think that it's really co confusing to think that these conversations are not embedded in the production of art, right? Or they're not embedded in, in the studio practice. Mm -hmm. If we look at uh, just how, even if we just look at how art institutions and the art world was funded, they were funded precisely from the, the, the colonial project, from the pillaging, from the kidnapping, um, from the, the rape, that, that was uh, utilized as strategies on multiple communities, multiple of our communities across the world, right? So to think about curiosity cabinets and how the European elite developed curiosity cabinets with parts of uh, bones and animals and 
genitals and, you know, just to think of all the, the ways in which uh, different cultures, indigenous cultures from Africa, from, from present-day Asia, present-day Latin America, were cut into pieces and then jum jumbled together inside a little wood cabinet or, in, or eventually into giant rooms, right? giant halls that then became the British Museum, um, the, the Met, the Louvre, right? To literally cut and take a whole part of a temple and put it in the, in, in the, in the lobby of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York that still contains a temple that they took from Kemet and the, are not even, have, don't even have the tact to name it correctly, don't have any sort of sensitivity towards our histories, towards us as people, right? If we look at, at how photography was utilized, if we look at, at, at the history of the, 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 how the idea of race was developed and how printmaking and photography were central parts to that development, then, then we cannot then teach these practices. It, you cannot separate the history from the practice. Absolutely. Um, and then what, so, I, you know, the, the challenge becomes how to change the mindset from, from this, this, this kind of taking naming, ordering, so that you can then interpret and read it in a certain way. Um, and that, you know, I, but yet that's, that's traditional art education, right? But it's traditional art education, but it's also the traditional action of the, the colonial project. Right. And it's, I think that it's, it's, it's been difficult for me to try to push students to see another way, but it hasn't been impossible. And once they do begin to see the world with new eyes, it actually changes the way that they're making work. Mm -hmm. it, it, it changes the way that they're making work in, 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 in film production in terms of they start to think about not only what is represented inside the frame, but the tools that they're using. Mm -hmm. So like, are the tools that they're using sustainable? Mm -hmm. How are they impacting the environment? Mm -hmm. You know, um, can they build solar, solar batteries for their video cameras or mm -hmm. whatever it is that they're doing? Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like we don't have enough. Mm -hmm. of that and there I often find a resistance mm -hmm. with other uh, faculty members that, mm -hmm. that you know peers that I have I've encountered who actually have stated to me students come to art school to learn the western way of making art why would we teach them anything else I've actually had people right. tell me that right that part. I mean, and and I think the what 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 is 
I mean, you know, to, to speak on what Shaila is talking about, um, I think we have a student in common right now. And she told me that her professor last semester had one day out of, out of 16 weeks, right? 16 classes or 17 classes a semester, right? One day that was dedicated to artists that were non-European uh, um, or non-white um, Americans. One day, right? And and the day and and that he felt, you know, so strong and sort of like, um, I guess, proud that he was including that into his um, lesson plan, right? Um, and, it's, and it's a similar type of logic of thinking about these type of classes as, as electives, right? As a minor, as opposed to thinking of, of us, the histories of our people as embedded in the foundation itself. It's a completely different worldview, right? One doesn't want to invite, right? One is, in, 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 even in its attempt to invite, is excluding and marking the difference and marking the exclusion, right? And what, and, and on, on, on other, and it's not one or the other because we understand this is not binary, but around the table, outside that table, around the room, around the building, in circles around it, are multiple thinkers wanting to say, hey, let's look at the accountability here. Yeah, it, 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 that's a, I'm kind of laughing, I mean, I'm not shocked or surprised, but that is a typical kind of action or performance. It's like, oh, it's this, this, this multicultural colonial performance, right? It's like the equivalent of saying, um, you know, I, um, um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm inclusive. I'm, I'm not a racist. Um, I love my country, mm -hmm. right? I have, um, I have, um, Asian friends. I have black friends. Yeah. I have Mexican friends. Um, and I love my country, but you're still centering whiteness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it, you have to break that down and go deeper than that. I mean, you have to change the way that your community is created inside of the classroom first and foremost mm -hmm. and then you have to elevate the voices that have been historically marginalized you have to actually get the students out of the classroom get them into the world mm -hmm. have them interacting with community have them interact with the natural elements one of the things that we do is you know when we are trying to understand silence we may go to the cemetery and you know ritually respectfully enter into that sacred space and exit so that we can understand how to layer our sound when we are making work when we want to understand time we may go and look at turtles Right. When we want to understand how to talk about war or armies or those kinds of things or even collectivity and what it means to work together, 
we'll go look at ants. You know, that the, 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 the solutions are there mm -hmm. in how we can begin to switch the frame and how we're teaching. Mm -hmm. It isn't just about including a day or a couple of mentions of people of color that you've determined are appropriate. Right. That part too. <laughs> that part. You know, because I can probably guarantee that the examples that were given were, I, I don't know, but right, I wasn't there, but they, I'm sure that they were not radical voices. Right. That would challenge this particular professor's worldview. And even if they were, because just of the fact that structurally that person's class or many people's classes are racist, you, there's no way that you can actually value and meditate on the profundity, on the profound importance and wisdom of that person's work. If, if mm -hmm. structurally your class and the space that you have set up is racist, right? There's no way for you to engage with the work. I don't give a fuck if you put people in one day, you try to jam people into one day to feel some sort of white savior complex, I don't know, to feed that white savior complex, I don't know, I don't know, that's some other shit. And I think, Shaila, you're speaking on something really important, and that is that decolonial um, education can't be centered around the human experience, right? It, it, and that's part of our problem. And that's what, why we need to look at indigenous knowledge, mm -hmm. because we are so new here. We have so much to learn from trees. We have so much to learn from ants. We have so much to learn from everybody else, everything else. And that's a huge part of colonial education that it's centered around the human, right? The human mind. And in the human mind, it's really centered around a masculine mind. And it's also racialized. It's a white mind, right? That in oftentimes the mind is separated from the body. And if you're separated from the body, then you have no connection to the other thing, other cycles that you're part of. And you and you don't understand your responsibility. The humility to be alive. And your your responsibility to your responsibility, I think to the earth first and foremost right so it's easy oh I, I make so many things let me just make and make and make let me just make and make and make and make things and buy buy things and have other people make things for me and, and that's my art things right and i can take from any design or anything that looks appealing you know aesthetically to right. me and i can use that mm -hmm. i can take it i can I don't need to know the meaning of it. I don't need to know its history. I don't need to know if it's sacred. I can just take it and put it on my t-shirt mm -hmm. or, you know, put it on my, whatever my design is, and then you will consume it. And, and, and to connect to what Shara's speaking on, one of the artists that, you know, the West is so obsessed with is Picasso, right? And is claimed, he's claimed as sort of the most brilliant mind of the 20th century, 
blah, 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 you know, these, these conversations, right? And I, I understand that he had a complex relationship with many artists from different parts of the world. I don't erase that. I don't erase that part. But his strategy of developing work was a strategy of the 20th century of the Western powers. Let me go take from wherever and I'm going to make it mine and, and then I'm going to put it in a museum or in somebody's, some wealthy person's house with no respect whatsoever to the communities that made those sacred objects, no respect whatsoever to the energies mm -hmm. that those objects represent, right? Even you look at this collection of, of, of sacred items, sacred African items, and how he embeds, uh, cuts and pastes, puts them on his yep. chances. And that is such a violation. You know, growing up in a house full of ritual items, African, West African ritual items, they're not just objects. There is spirit imbued. They speak to you. You know, they have a purpose. But that speaks back to what you were saying, Benny, about being disconnected from the mind and the body, right? And the whole concept of, of, of Western philosophical thought being centered on the ego, which is automatically white, male, straight, and, 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 and what happens is that then that is thought, that is confused rather, that's the correct word, that is confused with the idea of power. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is thought of, that this is power. And, and if you want to be powerful, you have to succumb to this and you have to imitate this. You have to, you have to come here and act like an entitled asshole you have to come here, disregard everybody, right? And the idea that we get taught, right, through media, through education, through um, the war of images at large, right? The Western war of images that has been 500 years, 527 years of war of images, mm -hmm. right? Is that if you want to be successful, you have to act like this. You have to talk mm -hmm. like this. And, and in order to do that, you have to, in, to some extent, you have to kill yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You have to kill a part of your, and, and, and disconnect yourself from your soul, mm -hmm. from your body, mm -hmm. and from your spirit and your ancestors. Mm -hmm. And so you have all of these dislocated people. And this is why I think, I, that's, thank you for saying that, because I think that professors need to understand that especially when they are teaching um, students of color, that it's totally appropriate to teach them the language of power, but you cannot critique them when they do not assimilate, right? Like teach them what it is that, teach them the power, teach them that, right? Because you have to teach them how to survive in this world, mm -hmm. but do not punish them and critique them and grade them down when they still refuse to write and create and make like you. 
allow them to retain their humanity. And that is and that is a decolonial perspective, right? That's an indigenous perspective. Mm -hmm. Right? And so what does it mean for us to to bring in a completely different way of being, a completely different way of thinking into these spaces that are very much trying to teach them to become mentally at least white men. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you at, at once um, decodify, right, the things that have been encrypted, um, bring back the things that were erased and mutilated, buried, right? Show them what is expected of them, yet allow them enough space and time to imagine what it could be for them to create something outside of that. Because I think that if our idea of success is to, um, how do you say, to hoard resources, right? And to just not challenge the hierarchy, but to be embedded in the hierarchy, then you know what you know what is what is the what is the purpose then i think so for those of us that are doing this work shy we're caught in a very particular tension and dance because it's not many of us here you know, right. and the rest of, of, of you listening are comfortable with that. Right. And allow for, for institutions to remain racist. So, which is so, not only allow for institutions to remain racist, but let's break that down. Mm. What is the harm that is caused to individual students by by your complicity. How many students have we seen that come to the institution, they're excited, they want to learn, they want to create, and then they have no community, they have no support, mm -hmm. they are not given the tools to be successful, they are, um, uh, they, they are marginalized further in their classroom, they are not able to obtain the feedback that they need for the work that they're trying to create. They don't have a strong support system in this foreign place and they end up leaving. And they end up leaving oftentimes with a huge amount of debt so that they can't even go back to school exactly. if they wanted to. What, where do you think that student goes? What do you think that student ends up doing? You know, so, you know, I'm not in the business of telling white folks what they should be doing. That's the job of other white folks. Um, but I am in the business of supporting my students all of my students and making sure that they are critiquing 
the structures and they are working outside of the structures that they find themselves in. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the, you know, the kind of work that we do when other folks come and join in to do the work, like you have to make, like the first thing you have to do is make a commitment to yourself that you're gonna be better today than you were yesterday. So when you're going to get your coffee, you're going to interrupt that microaggression that you just, you know, you, you saw happening um, with the between the person in front of you in line who was maybe disrespectful to the barista. Right. Um, you're going to make sure that you are. Holding space. For those students who are not talking. Right. Sometimes people assume that a language barrier is the only reason, but don't assume that a student, because they look a certain way, doesn't speak English, even if English may be their fifth language. You just may not be reaching them so that they feel safe enough to where they can participate. What is your, like, who are you teaching to? Who is your ideal student? When you write your syllabi, who do you think that you will be teaching? You know, we're all artists, right? We're all makers, designers, thinkers. Sketch out that ideal student. I bet you might be surprised. Mm -hmm. It may not actually be in your classroom. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I think that we are at a point where people's consciousness is beginning to shift. But my, like, I feel like the work that we do, because you can't really make the shift until you recognize that there needs to be a shift to be made. Mm -hmm. I really feel like the work that we do is helping people understand that they're not free. And so how do you give free? Right, and, that the, and, and, and furthermore, that the luxuries that they have been um, sort of sold, that's not the measurement of freedom. Mm -hmm. That the comforts that they have at the expense and suffering of many other humans and non-humans is not the measurement of their freedom, right? So questioning entire ideas around freedom, success, power, You could actually take freedom, success, and power, and you can apply, like you could apply those three headers as modules for any class. Mm -hmm. Whether it's foundational, it's drawing, it's 2D, it's 3D, it's 4D, whether it's architecture, it's interaction design, it's fashion design, mm -hmm. it's um, writing and lit, anything. Right? You could take those three and create your class around those three themes. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's at least here, I don't know where you are or where other people are, what the conversation's like, but there's a lot of, um, you know, the word of uh, sustainability being thrown around, right? Sustainability this and sustainability that. And I think that, you know, oftentimes we want 
sort of like a band-aid, right? Um, make the straws, you know, for like drinks, make the straws compostable, you know, like a band-aid. And, and I think the, to think about sustainability as a, not as an adjective that gets thrown around or, you know, but as a, as a practice, right? Uh, we have to look at who are the people that are sustaining, literally sustaining these institutions, sustaining, um, and that who, whose sustenance was taken to build art institutions and the art world, mm -hmm. right? So I don't, you know, people think that maybe, you know, Reparations is not a real thing, but reparations is a real thing. Most definitely. <laughs> reparations is a real definitely. thing. We want our land back. Yeah. Point one. Right? We want our, our people liberated from the concentration camps and slave camps that are called prisons and detention centers. We want we want uh, the ability to actually survive in this in this uh, in the system, and and the pay that we're given is not is not uh, is not even like I mean to look at where we live and what adjuncts and just teachers in general across the United States are paid. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, we want all of the objects in all of these museums out of there. Returned return, immediately. Return. Return. All the amoshlis, or the, all the sacred books, all the sacred items. Return. And a, and a portion of all the ticket sales for all the years. Right? And if, you know what I mean? Like, Reparations, it can be done. We we listed for you. We listed for you. No problem, right? Like thinking about the CCA campus. Both of the campuses, right, are built like Shyla mentioned on stolen, unseated uh, Ohlone land, and both of the campuses also displaced black communities in both of the cities, in San Francisco and in Oakland. So what is the responsibility? What, how is that sustainable? How is this a sustainable institution if it's built on stolen land and is displacing the black community of Oakland and the black community in, in San Francisco? That is not sustainable. It's not sustainable, but I agree with what you mean by people putting a Band-Aid on these kinds of issues, but that's what the colonial power does, right? It then co-ops, right, movements, right? We can see that through history. One thing I'd like to point out, kind of divert just a little bit, is that I think that it's great that people are beginning to, you know, really think about and talk about how they want to have clean water. Flint today still doesn't have clean water. Right. Okay. Flint, Michigan. Um, people, you know, we deserve to have a land free of contaminants. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that it's fantastic that people are beginning to really talk about this now and people are 
are being um, uh, galvanized by the youth, but I also want to make sure that the native youth, the indigenous youth, are not left out of the conversation right. in terms of how the, com you know, the, the kind of snippets and, and the way people are discussing this. Let's not forget about the youth leading Standing Rock, right? And how, you know, these issues are issues that the, the youth, indigenous youth have been talking about with support from the elders, you know, 13 indigenous grandmothers and with their support of their elders for years. And so institutions that are building on land, expanding their campuses, selling properties, maybe these institutions should think about paying a land tax to indigenous peoples. Maybe these institutions should think about allowing the indigenous peoples of that land to come and do whatever ceremony or whatever is needed for the land that they are trying to occupy. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need to, these institutions should think about hiring indigenous faculty in permanent positions. Maybe these institutions should think about providing full ride scholarships for indigenous students. Maybe these institutions should think about creating programs so that indigenous students can study their own indigenous science, their own indigenous practices. Maybe these institutions should think about what kind of support they will give to make sure that these students are succeeding. There are a lot of things that, that folks can do if they just take a moment and stop and think about it. And they go and talk to the elders in their community. Yeah, and as long as you know, looking at what the user has been doing, and we're, we're in a, we're, you know, being here in Oakland um, is a humbling place to be, you know, because of the, the rich history of, of reimagining. Um, we look at the work of the Black Panthers, you know, and the free food program that was the first of its kind and that completely shifted the way that schools are run across the United States, right? Um, do, do your students have access to food? Do your students have access to housing? Do your students have access to a mental health support mm -hmm. and if they don't it, it and and if they don't I, I, like we need to look at then what what is the purpose of these institutions it what is it that you're trying to extract from them this is supposed to be places of exchange welcoming places of exchange of exchange of reimagining and oftentimes we have students that are houseless mm -hmm. that are coming and trying to scavenge in the in uh, a staff uh, led um, pantry they don't even have housing they don't even have access to to food what is what is this new relationship right that is getting emboldened and emboldened year by year 
of looking at the student body as a place, as a mind, as a place of extraction, right? And even think about internships. Think about all the different internships that, that students sort of get pushed into, getting <laughs> no pay right. for their labor. What, what is it, what is this relationship to the student body? At what point did the universities and colleges become um, mines, like mining companies? That's a good question. I think, though, that that's traditional academia, they were set up that way, right? Because those who could afford to be educated could then be a part of the ruling class in one way or another, right? Um, and then they began to kind of trickle in folks, other folks that performed a certain way or showed a kind of promise um, along their um, requirements and then those, you too can be a part of the ruling class. You too can be wealthy, you know. Um, but it's not something that, it's, it's not a behavior that's in balance with who we are as human beings. And we see how students break down. We see how students don't are in the studio so much that they don't have time for anything extracurricular. Um, they don't have a healthy balance in their life between the work that they're doing, their family, their, you know, emotional, their spiritual life, their physical health. Um, and then when they get out of school, and they're working somewhere in this frantic pace because now they're a slave to the economy, they have to kind of relearn how to do that. But by that time, all of these really toxic behaviors have set in for them that can be, you know, then now you need more therapy. Right. <laughs> you need more, you know, um, you have to spend more money to try to unlearn and relearn. Because not, you know, you know, we can look around at our first year, you know, first year class and, you know, I, 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 I was presenting at this kind of first year thing and I'm looking at all the students and I'm, I'm the way, I'm looking at how other professors are engaging with the students and kind of propping them up to be the next um, most famous artist, most successful artist in this particular discipline. And I'm looking at them like they're going to be so disappointed because they're not going to be handpicked for these one or two spots. But they're not being taught how to make what their spirit says they should make. Right. So what are they going to do? And I think it's like somehow we have gotten very confused as to how relationships should support us in the sense that it, it, it most definitely, the power that we have and the resources that we have most definitely comes from the, the relationships, but it, but it shouldn't be these hierarchical unbalanced relationships, right? It's looking at what can we exchange how can I support you? Mm -hmm. Because because if you are stronger, all of us are stronger. Right. If you have a problem, that's my problem. Exactly. I'm going to feed you because I know you're going to feed me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and and so and and so you know one one of the things that I try to do in my classes is remind them this isn't these aren't your competitors. This isn't a reality TV show. We're not voting people off the island. This is not what this is not the purpose of this space. These are your colleagues. These are your conspirators. Mm -hmm. These are the people that you need to make sure that you have good relationships with. Even if you don't always understand each other. Right. Even if you don't always agree. Right, right. Right? Eventually, both of us will not be here. And whoever is giving them these little internships or will not be here. Right? What type of, of strategies are we teaching them? that can move beyond these structures, that can challenge these very structures. That's why I think how, how, how professors can create community and kind of what guidelines that they use to create community or we use is really important, mm -hmm. right? Being able to, because all that'll come, that starts coming out in critique, it starts coming out during group work, right? All that kind of competitive right. weirdness. Um, but but by by setting the pace at the very beginning and then consistently bringing the thread back, they'll engage with each other differently, right? But people have to understand certain things first. Like they, you know, nobody knows everything in the classroom. Everyone has a biased education. Everyone has a biased worldview, right? Like, but we're all inherently good. So how do we listen? you know, with an openness so that we can actually hear and not respond from the place of, oh, yes, I did that last year when we should be talking about the work, not center on I, center on me. Mm -hmm. And it takes some time, right? But, and, but these are, you know, if, if professors utilize some of these strategies, I mean, it's, it's a class prep, right? That's what we do, right? And that's what we should be doing as professors, figuring out the best way to teach mm -hmm. our subjects. Mm -hmm. um, like, you shouldn't be paid to do this work. Mm -hmm. This is the work you should be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. um, if you take the time to do that, you can adjust, with because each, each class is going to be different. But you'll begin to see a change in the way that the students are relating to each other and in the work that they're making. And it also um, decenters the professor in the space and in the yeah. conversation, which yeah. we are not the most important person in the room. For sure. Right? Um, and, and, and I tell them, I don't have the answers. I have a lot of questions, right? And, and sometimes mm -hmm. in some conversations, I'll tell them, my mind, because of the education and my, I'm a young professor, but because of what I've seen, my mind may be too polluted to reimagine. And, and mm -hmm. I may not see the changes. Right. We have to recognize our limits and honor those limits. Right. Right? And to right. call out also our privileges. I think it's important to, to, to constantly, constantly hold that in our conversations when we come into these spaces. We're not directing an orchestra. We're, we're simply one more element in the circle. Yeah, and it's I I I think it's important that students see that. Right. You know, like they have to they have to see that. Mm -hmm. 
it's not just the content, but how are we teaching them through the way that we are in the space, mm -hmm. right? Just in how you walk in the room. Right, right, right. And what the environment is when they walk in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I'm a big fan of get them out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Get them out of that, um, you know, get them out of these lines of these rows of, of desks with computers on them. And, yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it feels like it's such a big word and it's, and it's so... Um, Decolonization? Yeah, it's such a big, you know, it, it, and, and I think we, the most important thing, same as with sustainability or sustainable, that it does not become an adjective. Right. That it, that it constantly, we understand that this is a practice. Absolutely, it's a practice, it's a process. And you have to keep at it because this because colonization wasn't overnight, and it's not over yet. Right, right. It's still happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the process to decolonize is not going to happen overnight either, but it will happen. Another thought that I just had that I think is really important, and that you've actually done, and I really appreciate that you've done in this in this conversation, and you always do. That's why I adore you, is you call a thing a thing. You name it. And I think that's important. I think sometimes we, you know, can shy away from naming things for what they are. Mm -hmm. But colonization, you know, is violent. And it should be talked about as such, mm -hmm. right? And so when we look at what we're doing in the classroom, are we perpetuating violence and harm? Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. Right? in whether it's from the way we're teaching or the subjects that we're teaching. Mm -hmm. well, I encourage anyone listening to this to really think about their syllabi, their lesson plans, think about their performance in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And if you are, think about if you're perpetuating violence. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Are you performing authority mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. And who taught you that? Right, right. And who taught you that? Are you performing power and why? Power doesn't need to be displayed. I don't need all the trinkets to show my power. Right. Instead, teach your your marginalized students how power operates. Mm -hmm. Teach them how to maneuver. Teach them so that they will recognize it, so that they can, so that they will not be harmed. Prepare them, you know, mm -hmm. because it, it, it's a it's. It's like cooking, it has so many different levels to it, mm. right? Um, and I think ultimately it's like, what is it that you're feeding each other in that space? Are you feeding, right? And if you're talking, mm -hmm. precisely as Shai saying, if you're talking about really traumatic things, do you also have something soft and sweet to hold them? Mm -hmm. do you, mm -hmm. Can you, you have to have both. Yeah. It can't just be like, uh, trauma porn all the time right right it's it's extremely intense to think about these things and to talk about these things. so then pair it with something or somebody that is uh challenging that that is was able to move past that was able to create something beyond that mm -hmm. right it can't just be bitter all the time it's like um you know in i first thought about in a in a spiritual context when we cleanse mm -hmm. we cleanse but Right, but then we replace, 
we invite in what it is that we need, the sweetness, the abundance, the, you know, when it's like taking an antibiotic. If you take an antibiotic, it's going to kill everything. So you have to replace, you know, you have to put the good, probably have to take a probiotic, right, to, is what they tell you, to have the good in there. It's the same thing. Otherwise, you're just perpetuating an environment for that trauma to grow and grow right. and grow and thrive. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think um, really trying to be as dynamic as possible, but also knowing how to slow down. There's, a, there's an importance in, 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 in slowing down, in taking time, in saying, you know what? We, we, were, we did not go deep into this piece or into this reading. Let's take our time. Yeah. Let's take a break yeah. in acknowledging boundaries and, and time. Like, you know, they're not, they're not machines. Right. You know? right. So I think those are different ways. And I think ultimately, you know, I want to imagine a place where there are no universities. There's no more universities. There's something else. And it's not putting people in debt. Yeah. They're free. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody that works there is is being protected, has a good net, right? Has a strong network. Yeah. About freedom, success, and power. <laughs> right there. Yeah. I would also like to see, you know, more deliberate intergenerational learning. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I love this idea of no university. Mm-hmm. And I really love the idea of inter- intergenerational exchange, mm-hmm. right? And being able to pay our elders. Mm-hmm you know, sustain our elders, give our elders what they need so that they are well taken care of and, and, and can take care of themselves and be in a space where they can, they can, they can help, you know, teach the youth this wisdom of, the, of their lives. I hope all of y'all listening are taking care of your elders. Give them what they need. You know, I know they get on your nerves and they forget things, but just give them what they need. Like yeah. that, they themselves are sacred sites. I'm, I'm, I feel grateful, um, and humbled that we were invited to have this conversation. And I hope that um, people can hear what we are talking about approach our this this what we talked about from a place of abundance and not from a place of scarcity and fear um and i hope we can continue the conversation thank you vreni and thank you shyla this has been amazing i've just really appreciated the opportunity to speak with you and to listen to you today So thank you both.